0: Now, this is a series, and, and, and it's continuing. Last week we had a break with, uh, with some of the special things that we did. But two weeks ago, I started this series, and, and we, we talked about the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter, James, John, Jesus, uh, uh, Moses, and Elijah were together on top of a mountain. And then we find that they went down, down from the mountain. There was a desire to remain on top of the mountain. And, and what, I'm, what I'd like to do is connect all of this to some type of spirituality and, and the way that we walk with God. Now, there are times when we have spiritual highs. There, what I mean by that, I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, where we are, you might say, on top of the world spiritually. Everything's coming together for us. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're praying. Uh, perhaps it's, it's after a period of time where uh, God has answered some, some, uh, some particular uh, prayers. Uh, maybe it's just that we've spent, we've done the things that we know we should do. Okay? In other words, we've been faithful to reading the Word of God, pray, the, 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 the Scriptures, We've spent some time on our knees, and we, when God has just kind of connected with us. We've connected with Him, and all is well with the world. And, and I recognize this, that when we do that, oftentimes God speaks to us. Do you know that God didn't speak to Moses until He turned aside and went to see what this thing was, this burning bush, you know? And, when, and, and ladies and gentlemen, when we turn aside, when we turn aside and, and, and find and, and, and get closer to God, he says he will get close to us, right? right? He says this in, in a number of ways. If you seek me, you will find me. That's another passage that, that connects, uh, connects to this idea. Okay? Um, this series is about the ups and downs of spiritual life. And, and could I say it's, it's mythical to believe that the spiritual sun will always shine. Can I put it that way? In other words, that there—that I will always be up on, top, on cloud nine, as they would say in the world, or everything is always working well for me and I'm feeling great all the time and it's wrong for us, you know, to believe that there won't be some downtime, right? I recognize that that's not our favorite time, but could I say also that those down times, God is there too, and he has a plan. Okay? Now, uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, I did talk about the, the Mount of Transfiguration. We looked at that, and, and there was a desire. Uh, I mean, What did Peter say? Jesus, it's good for us to be here. They're up on the mountain. God, and and uh, he says, I, I tell you what we'll do. We'll make tents, and we'll stay up here. That's essentially what he told them. And, and Jesus mm, kind of pushed that aside. And before they know it, they were back down in the valley, and they encountered a child that was demon-possessed. In other words, there was work to be done. It was never intended for us. I mean, uh, the mountain is a great place to visit, and I think God has a purpose and a plan for us to be there. You might say the spiritual uplifting times where he is feeding us and strengthening us, and we are kind of, in a sense, beside ourselves with, with the presence and the power of God. Okay, That's an important thing. And, have, and many, of, many of you have experienced, uh, you might say, incredible times with God, whether it was a time of worship, whether it was a time of prayer, or I remember, I remember a time uh, for my father. Um, and I've shared some of this to you, and I'll get to the scripture in a moment. Uh, I'd, been, I'd been witnessing to my mom and my dad. I was still a very, very young man at the time, and my mom and dad were probably younger than me at this, at this juncture. And I remember calling him on a Sunday morning, and he, and he, and he was, tell, he was a, a union laborer, which meant, you know, he worked with his hands and his body, and he was like in his late 50s. So things were beginning to slow down a little bit. He hurt, you know, on Monday mornings. Monday, if, we, if we asked him, what was the best thing or what was the worst part about Monday mornings? Uh, it's great to have a job, but man, do I hurt on Monday mornings, starting back up. And he said, he said, Bill, I, he said, and, and he was in this throes of, of he had heard God's word, uh, but he hadn't made a commitment to him. And he said to me on the phone, he said, a really strange thing happened to me this week. He said, I, was, I got a hold of the wheelbarrow, you know, a laborer, and he said, and I was so tired. And I looked up and I said, God help me. And he said, I was flooded he, you know, in his word, and he didn't have a not have a great vocabulary. He's got a seventh grade education. He said God was just there, and 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 God flooded him. God strengthened him at that moment. I mean, it eventually led to a salvation. But I remember that moment. Now we can have these moments with God. We can intentionally set them up. When one of the things that I do for you on Sunday morning is is. You can have those kind of moments with God when you lift your hands and worship Him. When you intentionally engage Him in worship on Sunday morning, you're setting up an encounter with God. We have an appointment with God every Sunday morning at 10.30. We do. We have an appointment. And we enter into His sanctuary and into His courts with what? Praise Okay. We have set up an encounter with God, and and essentially some of us come along and some of us are just here, you know. And I'm just I'm I'm encouraging. I'm not I'm not bastioning anyone here, beating anyone. Just saying, the the, the meeting is, is 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 scheduled. It's a time to to work in and begin to worship Him and connect with Him, and um, and you know what? Here's a passage. Scripture. The scripture says, If anyone who is, uh, you might say, ashamed to um, acknowledge me before men, I will disacknowledge him before my heavenly Father. I want to apply that to worship. Can I do that? Can I do that? Okay. All right. All right. Now, what I want to uh, jump into this morning is this great victory. I've got about a half an hour. We're gonna go for it, okay? There's this great victory found in the in the Old Testament's First Kings, and it's it's a story about Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, and probably the uh, you know uh, one of the greatest prophets uh, uh, in the in the Old Testament. But he was not exempt from stuff. How many of us think that the spiritual guys, pastors and and religious leaders that we look up to, the evangelists on TV, how how many of us really think that that people like that are exempt from stuff? I hope you don't. Because because even Jesus wasn't exempt from stuff. If if, if, If you think he was, you need to read the Gospels one more time. And read it in a translation that you can understand this time. You'll find that Jesus was a man well acquainted with sorrows. That sounds like a quote, doesn't it? Well acquainted with sorrows. Understood that. Tempted like like, like all humanity is tempted. That made him a perfect, the scripture would say, a perfect Messiah, a perfect Savior for us. An intercessor, an interceder. Elijah, okay, let me get to the, let me get to the story here. Um, after, the, after King Solomon died, his son, Rehoboam, took over, all right? And at this point in time, there were 12 tribes in Israel, okay? The, uh, and, and it was all one country, one nation. And, uh, you know, Solomon built a whole lot of stuff. He was well known for things. But how, how do you build stuff? You, you tax the people, right? And so Rehoboam became king. And uh, the, uh, the Israelites came to, came to Rehoboam and says, look, you really need to give us a break here. I mean, your father, I mean, he just was, he was hard on us. We'd like to keep some of our money. I mean, we'd like not to, to pay all these taxes, okay? And... And so uh, uh, the, the, some, of the, some of the people advised the king this way, and so and the younger guys that were close to him advised this young king. says, no, 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 they're just whining. Give it to them real hard. And so uh, Rehoboam came back and says, look, you thought my dad was tough. Way to get a load of me. Now, he didn't say it exactly that way, but you understand that. And, and the, 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 the words that they said were that, and this is coined, two your tents, O Israel. And there was, on that day, there was a division between uh, the northern and the southern kingdoms Judea and then Israel, which, which later on, we, Samaria and all those things. So you ended up having two, tri- two, two kingdoms the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The problem now, now here's the problem. Uh, now we got a, 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 a kingdom in the north that, uh, that's got ten tribes, okay? Now, you've got to understand this not like the United States. You've got to understand that, that it was a, a theocracy. In other words, God was king. But the temple was in Jerusalem, which was in Judea. Uh-oh. In other words, we've got to go. Uh, so all the people from the ten tribes had to kind of go up to Judea to worship. So, so that, that compromised the, the whole idea of, of, of you might say, this, the, the, the division. So, so the kings and the people who were in charge of the ten tribes down there, the others, they said, we've got to do our own thing here. And they developed some other things so that their people wouldn't have to go to, into Judea, into, into Jerusalem, and, and therefore compromise their, their power structure. Pardon me, I'm just kind of going on here. I haven't even got to the scripture yet. I'm, I'm telling you the story that's in the scripture that comes out of it. And, and, the, and the dynamics between the two. Well, the interesting thing is, is that that kind of fell apart. Okay, uh, And somebody named Ahab rose up to be king. And he had a wife whose name was Jezebel. Okay, And yet God was, had still not uh, walked away from Israel at all. Now, Israel was considered the ten tribes, and then Judea down here with the with the rest of them, where, where Jerusalem was. Okay. The problem was is that there was this prevailing religion that was that was somehow connected with not only the Canaanites, but if you if you if you, if you find the translations of the various uh, deities and stuff that were worshipped, you will find that they correspond to the Greek. Uh, 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 gods uh, that we that we that we read about in classical literature, and uh, but there was this thing called Baal, Baal, Baal was uh, was uh, uh, you might say a, a, a Canaanite translation of Kronos. Okay, interesting. Okay, and as you look at the mythology that surrounded them, uh, it, he was he was uh, Kronos, Malak, Baal, all of these. Baal was, um, was the God who brought the rain. Okay? I want you to remember that. He was considered, this is a fertility thing. Because most of them were farmers. And so they wanted things to be fertile. The land to be fertile. And the rain touching the land. And the Asherah was the female deity that represented Mother Earth. Okay, now this—I mean—you've read through the scriptures, and hopefully, these things are connecting with you. The Asherah, yeah, the Asherah poles, and all the other stuff that you read about in, in ancient Israel. Okay, so here's Baal, and essentially, the ten tribes went after Baal. Okay? That was a, a Phoenician kind of uh, of, uh, of 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 religion and so in, 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 by by separating themselves from uh, from Jerusalem and from the temple and from where God was, they fell into great and gross sin. The worship, now I'll just say this. Here's here's what makes it particularly tough. Now uh children who can't hang on to this, this is a little tough. Yeah, you might want to go, ooh, all right. The worship Ayl is a fertility thing. This involved the sacrificing of the firstborn child, not the goats, not the not the bulls. And what they do is they'd this, this bull-like uh, uh, idol had the hands there, and they would they had a hole in the belly. And they'd build the fire in the belly, and they would get that nice and rosy hot, and place the child in the hands. And and while that was going on, the priests and the priestesses engaged in, uh, in 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 intercourse, and to be a part of that worship, everyone else there was this huge orgy. Okay, homosexual and heterosexual. Okay, I know that's a little rough, but that's that's what was going on. Oftentimes, when we see God react so 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 strongly, we wonder why. Now you get it. Now you get it. Hopefully you get it. And and, and, and in a sense, what they were doing is they were sacrificing their firstborn so that they would be prosperous. I want you to make the connection to today. It's not by chance that that connection can be made to today's political structure. Satan has not changed. All right. In the 16th chapter, we find the reason. Let me read this. Six, uh, chapter 16, 1 Kings 16, 29 through 34. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethabah, Baal, the king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Okay? And thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Helio, the Bethelite, built Jericho and laid his foundations with the loss of Abraham, his firstborn, and set up the gates uh, with the the loss of his younger son, Sirah. Now, in the 17th chapter, we read this here. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, that was the prophet, who was, who, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there will not be dew nor rain these years, except for by my words. Okay. Now, the reason, the reason that he's doing this is because of what Ahab had led the people in, and Jezebel had led the people in. And this, was, this kind of worship was prevalent in Israel. You've got to remember, God said uh, long before that these are you are my people. In Deuteronomy, he said to, to the, the children of Israel that I will raise up a kingdom of priests who will serve me in this land. And 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 here we have this twist that's going on. That ten tribes have turned uh, away, and they've been led into this uh, uh, incredible, incredible uh, 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 faithless worship. Where they're destroying their children, and they're engaging in all kinds of of of, of horrible behavior. And so God says, through Elijah, to Ahab the king, says, "Not going to reign anymore." Now, catch this. What, I, what did I say that they, that Baal was considered? He was the god that brought the rain. See, so it wasn't by chance. I mean, god could have said, "Okay, we're going to bring locusts in. We're going to take the. We're going to take all this out. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. no, 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 no. This is a straight up in your face. Okay, you're worshiping the god who brings the rain. And the, the god of uh, Elijah the prophet says. Not going to rain until I say so. Not going to rain until I say so. So there was a. So the, here, here was the fight. Let me move to. Let me move to. Let's see here. So it won't go on and on and on. The the. The 18th chapter. 18th chapter. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab. In other words, three years have passed. No rain. I don't know what it would be like here if we didn't have any rain. I, I imagine at the, one of the, somewhere along the fourth or fifth month, our wells would dry up. Anybody have a well? I have a well. Okay. The, the, the leaves and the things, uh, the things that we depend upon to grow, to eat, for food, uh, would begin to die earlier than that. So we're talking three years has passed and there's been no rain. People are hungry. People are dying. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year and said, go show, show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now there were, the famine was, was severe in Samaria. Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household and essentially he wanted to bring a meeting between him and Ahab together. Let me, let me just... I don't want to read all of these things. Um, I thought I had them highlighted here. Let me, just, let, let me just begin to read. Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly... For when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the the Lord Obadiah, took a hundred prophets and hid them in in caves by fifties, and provided them with bread and water. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through all the land, to all the springs of the water, uh, to all the valleys, perhaps we will find grass and and, and be able to keep the horses and the mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. So they divided the land to survey it, and Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Himself now Obadiah was on his way, and behold, Elijah met him and, and he recognized him. And, and I mean, he met him, he recognized Elijah, and he fell on his face. And he said, is this, is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, It is I. Go say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What sin have I committed that you are giving <laughs> talk about a, a scared guy? What sin have I committed? What what sin have I committed that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. When they said he's not here, he made that nation or kingdom swear that they could not find you. And now you're saying, go to your master, behold, Elisha is here. It will come about that when I leave, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I don't know. And when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I... Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord for my youth. Elijah said in verse 15, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I'll surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw Elijah, now this is a good, interesting meeting. I hope I'm not boring you with this. When Ahab saw Elijah he said, "Is it you, you troubler of Israel?" And he said, "And and Elijah said, "I it's I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have because you have forsaken the commandments of God of the Lord and have followed after Baal." Now sin and gather to me all Israel to Mount Carmel together with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent the message, and they came together. Now, let me just tell you the story, rather than uh, the, to read through all that. They all gathered at Mount Carmel. And the, and the idea was, was okay, uh, uh, Elijah spoke to the people of Israel. He said, look, how long will you exist between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. See, so, so that indicates that not everybody was there. But it was a real mixed up mess. And he says, and he said, essentially, he who is God, let him answer by fire. And he let the, the prophets of Baal do their thing first. They built, they built an altar. They put the calves on them. And they put the wood there. And they, it, says, it says in this passage, and you can read this for yourself, they, they, they cut themselves, they squalled, they hollered, they did all these things all day long, and nothing happened. And now, here's the cool part. I really like this. As, as a young jarhead, when I first met, first encountered this, we, we like this, okay? okay? Uh, a friend of mine came in and says, you, won't for, you, you will not believe what I found in the Bible. Another Marine. I said, "What is it?" And then he told me about this story. And here's uh, uh, Elijah. He's he's up there saying, "Hey, maybe you need to." Uh, the, the the prophets of Baal they were going crazy, screaming, yelling, whatever their worship patterns were. And 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 Elijah was saying something like, "Hey, maybe you need to." Maybe he's kind of like in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you need a little, you know, call, I mean, he's on vacation, you know, call him a little louder, da, 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 da. And eventually, these prophets said, okay, they gave up. They'd been at it all day long. They'd cut themselves with stone. They'd done all these things. And you read about this in the scripture. And, and then it was Elijah's turn. Now, it's not, see, God still does things the way he lays them out at the, at the, at the time of the evening prayer. At the time of the evening prayer was which was set in in, in Hebrew and, and 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 Yahweh worship, God worship, okay? He builds us builds this altar. He starts by laying the foundations one more time. Twelve stones for the house of Israel. Okay? And they were all together. And they dug a big trench around it, put the bulls on it, the wood and da da. And he prayed a simple prayer and fire fell from heaven. Boom. Now, I didn't mention the water that, that, that they poured buckets of water over and everything. He prayed a simple prayer. The fire came down, just consumed everything. And Elijah said, let's not one of those guys get away. That day there was a great slaughter. I mean, yeah, yeah. He took a sword. This is, this is a prophet. He took the sword and he killed all, this, uh, all those false prophets. Now, great victory, right? And Israel with one voice The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I mean, they saw the evidence, right? God answered by fire. They got it. They understood. But Ahab wasn't happy, and Jezebel wasn't happy. All of a sudden, he got, and, and Jezebel, when she heard about this, she said something like, May I be as those prophets if I don't kill him within a very, very short period of time? Now, Elijah heard about this, and what did he do? Now, the crazy thing is, I mean, this is a guy who just called fire from heaven? What did he do? He ran. He, he, he got scared and ran. And we find, the, we find the story unfolding through the next couple of chapters where he, you know, he went and he, hit a, he laid under a, he just worn out, laying under a, a juniper bush. And the angels were bringing food to him, and 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 and, but you know what he wanted to do? He said, "I just want to die. I just want to die." He said, "I'm all alone. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that's been faithful." God was gentle to him. There was a couple of times in the in I believe it's the 18th or 19th chapter where I think it's the 19th where. God spoke to Elijah and what are you doing here? And his response was, I'm all alone. It doesn't matter anymore. I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't do any good. I'm all alone. I'm the only one serving God. You ever feel that way? <laughs> you ever feel that way? ever have those kinds of experiences? I just wanted you to know that you're not alone. A couple of times, God asked him, why, what are you doing here? He brought in the earthquake. He brought in the fire. He brought all these things in. And the scripture says that he wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in these horrific... But when the gentle wind blew, God. All right. Okay. Interesting story interesting story. I think you ought to read it if you've never read it before. The whole thing, okay? If you haven't read it, get into First Kings and read it, all right? But but here's some things I want to I want to share with you. And let's let's take us back, let me take us back to to um let's focus on Elijah And just the lessons that come from the Scripture. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about the the spiritual experiences? And what does this tell us about us? How How can we take this passage of Scripture and understand something about how things work in spirituality? Well, great victories take their toll. Okay, You may have had, and I spoke to you about this earlier, there are times when you're up here there are times when, you've, when God has used you, and I'm speaking to some of the more mature people uh, in, in faith here. I mean, if you're a brand new Christian, just kind of pat this away. Know that this is, these are the things that are going to happen with you and to you. But for, for those who have been in the faith and have functioned as, as believers and have, have prayed and have worked, uh, worked for God, and know this, that sometimes you're going to have some incredible experiences with God. And right on the heels of those experiences, you'll have a downtime. Now the problem is, is that, and, and the problem for, for Elijah here was that he couldn't see the big picture. When we're feeling like, uh, like, like yesterday's worn-out trash bag, it's hard to see the big picture. We're focused on this right here and there, and that's where, where Elijah was. He was still in the flesh. The flesh gets tired. The flesh is, is, is pushed down. Our bodies get tired, OK? And sometimes we associate sometimes we associate spiritual, spiritual uh, knowledge and concerns with that tired body, and we're wrong. Does that make sense? Elijah, uh, his response was, I just want to die. I mean, think about this. You've gone through this incredible, incredible experience with God. The next day, the bottom drops out. Or at least you think it does. And all of a sudden, you just want to die. Now, how in the world did that happen? It happened to him. I mean, I don't know if it was all the blood and stuff, but, but he saw... He witnessed, he was used to see the, to turn Israel on the dime right there. Right then and there. It, this, was, this was showdown, this was gun smoke on you know, Main Street. Okay? And God wins. And now here we have the, the, uh, the, the Elijah, the, you might say the, the guy that God used, sitting under a dusty bush just wanting to die. Again, can I bring you back to for yourself, to yourself, and say, "All right, have you had experiences with God?" And within a week, you find yourself like wondering if God exists because of the way you feel. Circumstances have have kind of mounted up against you. Okay. Now, how did God deal with him? He sent angels to minister to him. What was Elijah's role in all of that? Just rest. When you're in a, in, a, in a... Can I say this? Now, uh, great victories takes take their toll uh, uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You feel alone. You feel depressed. And could I say fearful? All of those things for Elijah. You know, I was at a Gideon's banquet on was a Thursday night in a place called Montrose, Pennsylvania, and a guy used this passage of scripture he, actually another passage of scripture he he made reference to that that poem that everybody had so many people have on their walls, and we might have even gotten tired of looking look at the footprints in the sand thing and and the, the person I think was like saying look, it's, i see when, when I see two uh, two two sets of footprints i always enjoy this so much because i know that you're walking with me okay and then but god where were you when i you know when i see only one footprint he says that's when i was carrying you I understand that okay nice poem and and there's a biblical truth there elijah was being carried by god here and you and i need to understand that will not always be up there. And when we're down here, after, after some, some huge... It baffles us after victories to have those experiences, right? Anybody with me here? Okay. Uh, it baffles us, and it makes us begin to wonder about where God is. The desert experience, the difficult experience, when we don't have time to lift... Our, we don't have the energy to lift our heads, our hearts... And and all the doubts and all the concerns come flooding in. First of all, could I say to you, you're not alone. Even though you do feel alone, it's an experience that the people of God have always had. And it's not about lack of faith, it's about lack of energy. It's about the, the flesh that you find yourself encased in, you know. This old body, it gets tired could I say though this once you've been through one of those because you, you'll, you'll be through more than one you'll go through more than one okay? you'll find that God was faithful and saw you through what did, what did Elijah do? he just rested and let God oh he was wrestling with this stuff but he's too, he, he didn't you know, God was speaking to him and said okay where are you? well I'm all alone here And I don't even know why I'm doing this. I said, I'm all alone. I'd just rather die. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you would rather die. I don't know. After having having a spiritual experience with God, you find yourself in a place and you, you wonder, God, how can this happen? Yesterday I was on top of the world and right now I feel like just, you know, just going away. I feel like just throwing the, the towel in and quitting, etc., etc., etc. Stand with me, please. I told you, I've told you in the past that, that God is with you even when you don't feel Him. And that His promises are true even when the world around you, even when it appears that the evidence evidence says that they're not. Jesus told Peter that toward the end of his life, he would lose control of his own life and that other people would do this and do that for him. Take him where he didn't want to go. Some of our elderly people are they served God all of their lives, they've served God and they could do what they wanted to do and some and now they've gotten to where they can't do what they want to do. And it's depressing. It's depressing. To sit in a a room at the local nursing home and think think that the best is behind me. Hard. To remember all those glorious times, the powerful times where God moved and they were used. For you and for me, had a great ministry people knew you loved you liked you cared for you you're busy you were in demand all the time and now that's over and it's, and it's depressing now I could go on Just to know that no matter, could I say no matter where the hills were, the valleys were, the valleys are never all that fun. But God's got a purpose for that. Believe that. He will feed you on the mountains. He will sustain you in the valleys. He will bless you on the mountaintops, but He will make you a deeper, more solid believer in those those deep and darker places. You just hold on to Him. Just remember what He has done in the past. Remember that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with you. Always. I don't know where you are right now in your life. But God does because he's with you in it. He's got a purpose. And he's still in control. He's still in control. He still knows who you are. He still is there. He's not put you on the shelf. There's some of you have not quite connected with this the sermon because you're You've never given your heart to Christ. You've never given your heart to Jesus. Once you know that Jesus loves you, He died for your sins. And He simply says to you this, this morning, if you'll receive it, if you'll receive it, I will save you too. I will take away your sins. I'll give you a new life. And all you have to do, all you have to do for that is to, in prayer, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and live. I want to live for you. I want to give you a shot with my life. I haven't done all that that hot with it. I need I I want you. It's a simple prayer, right? A prayer that anyone could pray. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Simple prayer. Simple prayer. But I don't know. As we're here today, as we're here today, I I just want you to know that you're not alone. If you're in a, in a deep, dark place right now, you're not alone. And you're not going to stay there. I want you to know you're not going to stay there. God has not abandoned you. He is with you. He will restore you. He will strengthen you. What does the scripture say? He who waits upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And you'll mount up with wings as eagles. Okay? God knows who you are and where you are. This altar is open as we sing. God is all-powerful. God knows who you are. And you can, you can take that to the eternal bank. Amen? I think, I think as we go from this place today, there's, this is a time, the valley or that, that difficult place is a time when you've got to let go and let God. And just rest in him. And depend upon him for restoration and strengthening. Amen? You know, he's big enough. He's big enough, and he knows who and where you are, okay? And he can do it, amen? You're not alone in this. There's a a hill on the other side of the valley, okay? (laughs) God bless you as you go. Love Jesus, love one another, and enjoy the week that God has given to you, amen?